And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I'm at him at the launch, you man. Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello everyone, I'm Carl Amari and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, we'll tune into the conclusion to the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy show. Then we'll open the creaking door of the inner sanctum for another tale of mystery and horror. By my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. Hey, What's Carl. up, Lisa? Well, in the world of celebrity news, Jennifer Hudson and Harvey Firestein will star in NBC's Hairspray Live, mm. which is the ne- network's next Live Broadway musical. Mm. So Jennifer Hudson. Will, okay, so there was um, there was Grease Live. Grease, yeah, and, and there, then was there was Sound of Music. Oh, right, right, and there was one more, I think. This, so now we have these are very successful. Oh, are they? They're they're doing very very well. So we've got Hairspray Live. Okay, very uh, Jennifer cool. Jennifer Hudson. No will, John Travolta in this one, though. No, you know who will be playing his part is Harvey Firestein. Oh, Harvey Firestein. Okay. Um, Christopher Walken's part will be Martin Short. Okay, and uh, Queen. Tifa's role will be Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson. Hudson. Okay. We can look forward to that in December. Very, of this very year. good. All right, let's uh, let's tune into the conclusion to the Charlie McCarthy Show. We tuned into part one on our last program. Let's go back to November fourth, nineteen forty-five, for the Charlie McCarthy Show. Well, Charlie, we have an old friend with us today. Why, you don't mean? Yes, I do, Elsa Maxwell. Well, it's the same old Elsa, pretty as a picture. Same old Edgar, blind as a bat. And how is Charlie, my little woodwind? Yeah. Oh, fine, fine. What do you know, gravel (laughs) console? Not much. I'm just back from Hollywood. Oh. Yeah, I bet they're still celebrating out there. (laughs) Elsa, it is it is nice to get back. Aren't you glad to be back in New York? Oh, yes, Edgar. There's no place like New York. Oh, you're so right. I love it during, during the nylon season. I don't know. That's very funny. Ha ha. I'm laughing. Yeah, well, stop it. Yeah. You're shaking the whole house. No, no. no. <laughs> now, no remarks about Elsa's weight, no. Oh, it doesn't bother me, Edgar. I used to have an hourglass figure. Well, what happened? Well, it kept gaining. Oh. <laughs> What's the time now in round figures? <laughs> Charlie, I suppose you know that Elsa's going to give you a nice going-away party. No. Yes, she is. Well, what sheer heaven. <laughs> oh, I know you love this party, Charlie. I have a wonderful surprise for you. Well, that's good. How long will he be laid up? Uh, who? Fred Allen. <laughs> no, Charlie, it's a personal present. A present, Finney? Oh, you silly girl. I just couldn't let you do it. Just couldn't. What is it? <laughs> At my house. And I'll be expecting you over there in a little while. Yes. Well, now, this is awfully kind of you, Elsa, to do this for Charlie. How can I ever repay you? Oh, with check, cash, or money orders. Goodbye. (laughs) My, Elsa has a beautifully furnished penthouse, hasn't she? Yes. Isn't it lovely? Oh, 
end-of view of the Fulton Fish Market, too. Yeah. I thought I told you to wear a white tie. Well, it was white until I tried to tie it. Oh, I see. Welcome to Miss Maxwell's residence, gentlemen. Who shall I say is calling on all that sort of highbrow stuff? No. <laughs> hey, what are you doing here, Ray? Are you a majordomo? Uh, no, boy. No, just a butler, second class. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't received my commission yet. Yeah, yeah, we do. I hope they have got good groceries here. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Oh, you're in luck, Charlie. Would you care for mustard on it? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, boy. Hello. Well, good evening, Elsa. Say, you look stunning in that new gown of yours. Oh, do you like it? Yeah. Notice the gathering in front? Yeah. Quite a crowd in back, too. <laughs> Just the same, I'm very pleased with this yellow dress. On the way here, several men whistled at me. Well, they probably thought you were a yellow cab. Yeah. <laughs> well, look who's here, Anita Gordon. Hello, everybody. Oh, Charlie, I think this party is simply super. <laughs> oh, it must be nice to be so young. Yes, isn't it thrilling? Yes. <laughs> How would you know? <laughs> Anita, maybe we could stroll on the terrace and then you could slap my face, huh? Oh, I won't slap your face, Charlie. Can I depend on that? Unless you deserve it. You can depend on that. <laughs> now, on with the party. Uh, friends, uh, friends. Uh, my name, uh, friends. Yes. My name is Ursula Swing. Uh, yeah. Ursula Swing? Swing? That's right, I yeah. See and I, I represent the playoffs. The yeah. one, the press. The oh, press. Yeah. That's right, I do. I represent the press, even if my pants are baggy. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you're a society editor? Yes, yeah, isn't it, Peachy? Well, I wouldn't. <laughs> and I have a nose for news, too. And, uh, well, no, it's not exactly a nose for news, either, because if it was, it wouldn't be possible for me to smell. That's what you think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very, very funny. Yes, it is. Very funny. But I'm connected with a New York bugle fan. Oh, and, uh, well, no, it isn't exactly a real bugle no. either because a bugle goes da 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 and wakes people up. Yeah, we know, we know. Yeah, well, I didn't think it did. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the New York bugle always puts them to sleep. Yeah. Isn't it time for you to blow? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good thing. Uh, but this isn't the only paper I've worked on, Brown. Really? No. At first, I was on the Philadelphia Post, yeah. then the Washington Post, then the Boston Post. I tell you, I let a dog's lie. Mr. Swing, we're not interested in your life at all. But it also just so happens to me that I am disappointed because I came here to get a scoop, and this is not a scoop. No, it's not even a spoonful. You just <laughs> don't peddle your paper. Yes. That does it. That does it. Yes. You all think you're so smart and scintillating. Well, we don't yes, think you know. But I find you to be just a ragtag and a bobtail crowd of ne'er-do-well. Now, what's your... So I have to speak. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But now, you've just got me into a snip, and so goodbye. Well, uh... We go off in a snip. <laughs> now, that, now, that, now that we're rid of him, yes. we come to the high spot of our party. Oh, good. You mean we're going home? No, not sure. No. <laughs> we're going to unveil your present. Unveil it? Well, what is it, an oriental dancer? I hope. <laughs> Don't be silly. I'll even give you one more guess. Yeah? What do you think is behind that drawn curtain? Uh, your dirty laundry? <laughs> No. Now, attention, everybody. It gives me great pleasure to present this masterpiece to my dear little friend, Charles McCarthy. I now unveil it. Do you know it? Oh, look, look, look. 
I say, what a masterpiece. Is that you? What composition? <laughs> what coloring? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. Why, Charlie, it's a painting of you. Of me? Going which way? Oh. What do you mean? Well, look at it. I got two noses and both eyes are on the same side of my head. <laughs> That's surrealism. Uh, it's a wonderful canvas. Wonderful canvas, is it? Too bad it's got all that paint on it. <laughs> Hey, Charlie, it looks as though the artist painted himself into a corner and then couldn't get out. <laughs> You're standing too close. It looks wonderful from a distance. Yeah, well, you can't get far enough away from that thing. That's true. <laughs> Charlie, it's a perfect resemblance. Sure. And just think, he painted it with a palette knife. Oh, is that how he did it? I thought he sat on it before it was dry. <laughs> you don't understand. Yeah. This artist works only in oil. Yeah, well, he must have done that when he was pretty well lubricated. <laughs> Well, else I'm inclined to agree with Charlie. I don't think this painting does him justice. Well, so what? It only costs $400. $400? Bergen wouldn't even pay a buck for Blue Boy with two pair of pants. Oh. <laughs> would you? Yeah. You would, you would, he says, yeah. Well, so I must say the price is rather steep for the work of an unknown artist, though. He's not unknown. He's Michelangelo Leonardo Maxwell. Maxwell? My brother. Uh-oh, that's all. That does it, that does it. Oh, no, now, wait a minute. Oh, no. I'll have you know my brother is a great artist. A great artist. Your brother's Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, Edgar. You ordered this picture and you're going to pay for it. Not while I'm still alive. Well, not, uh, I'll, I'll wait a few days. Yes. <laughs> Don't take it. No, 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 no. You keep out of this, you monocle mopstick. Well, I'll stick you on my knee. How are you going to find it? <laughs> you shut up, or I'll stick pigs in your ears and use you for a hollow tree. I'd like to see you try it while you park Avenue blimp you. No, no, no. Why wouldn't I have that picture if you gave it to me for nothing? And that's just the way I'm going to give it to you, mm-hmm. right over your naked noggin. So, <laughs> Bergen, you were trained. <laughs> And that's the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy Show, November 4th, 1945. Special guest, Elsa Maxwell, sponsored by Chase and Sanborn Coffee, as heard on NBC. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari, Lisa Wolf, the vivacious Lisa Wolf to my right, Mike Costello, my executive producer over there to my left, making sure that we sound good and all the buttons are hit in the right order and these shows don't run backwards and all that kind of good stuff. So we do appreciate Mike Costello. Now backwards might be fun. Nah, <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think uh, we people would like that very no? much. No, especially if you were listening to a good mystery like we're going to now with Inner Sanctum. Let's go back to January 23rd, 1945. This is called Death is an Artist. It stars Lee Bowman. Sponsored by Lipton Tea, here's part one of Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries, starring Lee Bowman. Good evening, friends. This is your host, Raymond. Welcome to the Inner Sanctum. Come in, won't you? 
Uh, what are you staring at? The walls. Well, you know that old saying about walls having ears. Well, these walls have eyes. And a nice assortment of fingers and hands. One of them has a heart. But you uh, can't beat that. <laughs> uh, don't mind me, friends. In my old age, I'm getting to be a bit of a gore. You're getting to be a crotchety old bachelor, that's what. Who said that? Oh, Mary Bennett. Hello. Uh, tell me, Mary. Do you think I should get married? You know, I used to have a girlfriend, but she threw me over. She was a vampire. She said I wasn't her blood type. Oh, Mr. Raymond, please, what a silly thing to say. More and more, I'm convinced that what you need is a wife. I'd just love to see the way a wife would handle you. Would you send me a wedding present, Mary? I sure would. I'd send you a big supply of Lipton's noodle soup. One whiff of that savory Lipton's noodle soup, and folks feel relaxed and ready for dinner with a rousing good appetite. Well, now, that's a very pretty picture, Mary. Which reminds me, our story tonight is about one of the fine arts, murder. <laughs> it's called Death is an Artist, an original tale by Frederick Matho. And our star is from Hollywood, Lee Bowman. Soon to appear with Rita Hayworth in the Columbia Technicolor picture tonight and every night. So, curdle close to the fire and turn the lights down real low. Uh, by the way, if you have a little spook or two in your home, uh, looking behind your shower curtains before turning on the water is the courteous thing to do. Otherwise, you might be dampening your spirits. <laughs> now, let's Get on with our story. I'm Stevie, a reporter. I'm what's called a police reporter because I hang around police stations for my stories. But tonight, I'm the best reporter in the world because I've got that kind of a story that's only given to one writer in a thousand, once in a lifetime. This story begins with the end of a man's life. Yesterday... An old man living alone with his five cats on an abandoned barge under the Brooklyn Bridge cut off the heads of four of his cats, then expertly slit his own throat from ear to ear. At six o'clock on the morning we got the flash about this old man, I was playing cribbage with Mike, my police pal, at the station house squad room. Burke, the desk captain, was snoring his head off. Okay, Mike. There it is. Go, 121 points. Had last run made it. Uh, you're the luckiest jerk, Stevie. We're both lucky. Not a call the whole night. I uh, sure hate to drive out to anything in this blizzard. We... Uh-oh. Brace uh, 84th Precinct, Brooklyn. What? Yeah. Uh, wait, say that slower. Uh, you haven't seen him in a week. He's can't see around. Oh, but lady... Huh? Blood in the snow. Well, that's different, sure, sure. Yeah, okay, thanks. What's up, Captain? Uh, some dame passes an old barge down the foot of the bridge on her way to work every day. It says an old bum lives there with his cats. Uh, don't tell me I gotta rescue a cat now. No, this coot talks to her real polite every morning. But she ain't seen him in a week. Today she goes to look close-like and... 
Finds blood in the snow near the door. So... So we go see. We probably went south for the winter. Uh, coming along, Stevie? Yeah, but I don't like it. Burke mentioned cats. And I hate cats. And I hate people who keep cats. Well, this is it, I guess. Come on, Stevie. Hey. Hey, look, Mike. There's a snowman. Oh, so what? Haven't you ever seen a yeah, snowman? Yeah, but look. That's... That's not an ordinary snowman. It's a beautifully sculptured head of a woman. Made out of snow. Ah, come on. It's cold. Let's get inside this scow here. Hey, open up. Open up there. Open up inside. There is blood out here, Mike. Look. See? Here's where the woman's footprints stop. Okay, was... Sherlock. Help me bust this door. Okay. Oh, what's the matter with you? Look on the floor. Holy mackerel. One, two, three, four cats with their heads cut off. And another one. Alive. Hey, where are you going? I told you I can't stand them dead or alive. One of them clawed me when I was a kid. I... Stevie, get a load of this over here on the bed. He did a good job from ear to ear. He had done a good job. He was naked to the waist and his hairy torso was bathed in blood. His head lay to one side and was nearly severed at the throat. His mouth, a strangely sensitive mouth, hung foolishly open in the middle of a matted mass of beard... But it was his eyes that that stirred something inside me. They were coal-black agates that smoldered with defiance, even in death. They seemed to carry a message only I was meant to see. I turned away and stumbled over a small wooden box. It contained clay fragments. An impulse seized me, and I, I carried the box outside. What do you want that box of trash for? I... I, I'm not sure. I, I, I just feel I ought to take it along. Mind? Uh, just junk. These bums collect the screwiest stuff. Uh, come on, I'll drop you off at your paper. You'll get a news beat on this anyhow. Okay, Mike. Thanks. I'll call you later to see if you identify the old bird. All right, Stevie. Hey, uh, here's that box of junk. You, you want it? Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I wrote the item. All we could learn was that he was Ivan. No fingerprints on record, no relatives, just Ivan. So he stayed just Ivan to a quarter of a million readers and to the police. But to, to me... He was a man who had not yet died. I poked through the rubble of clay in the box, and uh, I was about to throw the whole mess out when a, a, a time-blackened metal tag caught my eye. It was the kind of tag used to mark paintings or, or statues. It read, Agatha, January 2nd, 1924. Twenty years ago, today. And below that was a name... Ivan Thorne. 
The name jangled a bell in my memory. It, it frightened me. It fascinated me. I rummaged in the box some more. A hunch grew to certainty. Ivan Thorne had been a sculptor. Here was a fragment of clay, a nose. Here, part of a chin. Here, an, an ear, a woman's ear. And the snow image of a woman's head came to mind. Why did Ivan Thorne, a sculptor of obvious talent, do a head of a woman named Agatha in clay, then on the same date, 20 years later, as a bum, reproduce it in snow and slit his throat? I found the answer in the yellowed clippings of the newsroom morgue. The story of Ivan Thorne was filed under Murders Unsolved. That's the first portion of Inner Sanctum Mysteries with Death is an Artist from 1945. We'll get back to it after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Time now for the conclusion to Inner Sanctum Mysteries. After I'd read the story, I marched into G.C.'s office. Hey, what's up, Stevie? They say the Brooklyn Bridge again? No. You, uh, you read the item on the old guy I found with his throat cut? Sure, sure. Cut off his cat's heads, then his own. Unidentified. Good item. I... I know who he is. Was. Yeah? Story? Story. You got time to listen? Shoot. Well, this begins in a sculptor's studio off Washington Square on a stormy night long ago. Ivan Thorne and Agatha, his wife, were having words. Yeah. For the last yeah. time, Agatha. Yeah. Are you really going through with this divorce foolishness? For the last time, yes. I'm tired of living from hand to mouth. I'm tired of your stupid statues. I'm tired of your stupid cats. I'm tired of you. All right. I'll give you the divorce. You can marry Greg Stevens. He'll give you everything you want. But Horace stays with me. I want custody of the boy. The court will decide that. Agatha, I've been working on that head of you for a year. It, it's good. I think the museum... Oh, that thing? It doesn't even come close to looking like me. Of course that head isn't you. It's what I remember you as when I first met you. Ivan, let go of me. You're hurting me. All right. I'll let go of you. But I'm going to finish that head, Agatha. And you're going to help me. I will not. You'll get your divorce. Only if you agree in writing to pose me one day each month for six months. I must finish it. Six months, hmm? And what about Horace? He's away at school all the time. We'll let the court decide a decent arrangement. All right, Ivan, I'll do that. Give me that pen. Here. I, Agatha Thorne, agree to pose for a sculptured head by Ivan Thorne on the first day of each month for six months. Signed, Agatha Thorne. There you are. Now, get out. Get out before I break your neck. She's gone. 
gone. But I'll see her again. Six more times. That's all I need. Six more times. to me like this Ivan guy is working up a neat little cat astrophy. <laughs> Mr. Raymond. Uh, oh, uh, yes, Mary. I got to thinking about that snowman they found. Did you ever make a snowman? Oh, sure, and I cut off his head for a souvenir. Kept it in the icebox over the summer. And you're teasing me, Mr. Raymond. Uh, Mary. Yes, Mr. Raymond? Uh, Mr. Bowman is waiting to resume his part of the young police reporter, Stevie. That's right. Uh, you remember, Stevie told his editor that Ivan was divorced by his wife, Agatha, 20 years ago, and how the events that followed turned the sculptor into the tired old bum he was when he slit his throat under the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, uh, Stevie, did Agatha get her divorce? Yes, and the court gave her custody of their six-year-old kid, Horace. She married Greg Stevens, and according to these clippings, she kept her agreement with Thorne. She posed for the head he was doing of her so that he could finish it. The first day of each month for six months, huh? Yeah. How'd he take the divorce and losing his kid and all? Beautifully. So everybody thought. It got to be the talk of the town. The three of them, Agatha, Greg, and Ivan, seemed to get along fine together. The Stevenses were frequent callers at Thorne's studio. I say, Thorne, why won't you show me the head you're making of Agatha? That isn't fair, you know. Uh, not till it's finished, Greg. You wouldn't appreciate it as it is now. It really is good, Ivan. When will you finish it? Yes, Ivan, when? I want to finish it on New Year's Day. That will be the last time you need pose, Agatha. Can you make it that day? Well, I'll just have to, won't I? Yes. At three o'clock? At three o'clock. Come on, Greg, darling. Good night, Ivan. Good night, Ivan. My God. Goodness, six months goes by so fast, doesn't it? Six months. Yeah. I gave them six months. Monday, it's over. Monday is the last day she poses for me. Monday, I'll finish that head. I love her. And for six months... Six centuries she belonged to that idiot. He took my son from me. You can't hear me, Agatha. Can you? This is you and Clay. You can't hear me. <laughs> Everybody thinks it's wonderful that I haven't thought of such a good sport about it. I fooled them all. I fooled you. Then yes. <laughs> uh, he really was out of his mind, Stevie, this Ivan guy. Sure, but with a madman's cunning, he disguised it well at that point. Only his cats knew it, I guess. New Year's Day, 1924, was a howling wintry day. Neighbors later testified to seeing Ivan's massive frame, coat flailing open in the wind, eyes staring, unblinking, as he turned into his building. 
It was the last time they saw him. In his studio, Ivan kicked his door shut and began talking to Agatha's statue, as he'd gotten into the habit of doing now for some time. I'll set the table by the fire, Agatha, just as we always did. You like that. And I'll set a place for little Horace. Oh, I know you don't want him to come here, but we'll just make believe, huh? Agatha, I must, must pull myself together. Happy New Year, Agatha. Come in, come in. And the same to you, Ivan. Oh, let me get to that fire quickly. I'm frozen up. Why are you bolting the door? The draft rattles the door. Here, give me a coat. Now, how about a bite? By the fire? Why, Ivan. <laughs> how quaint. Just like old times, hmm? This is the last time you'll come to pose. Have you minded living up to our agreement? No, Ivan. You've been very decent about it. But tell me, why are you so set on finishing the head you're doing of me? Have you ever seen a human skull, Agatha? Ugly thing. Long after that pretty head of yours becomes a skull, the head I'm making of you will live in ageless bronze. That's why I'm so anxious to finish this work. I see. Well, shall we start, Ivan? You're not working. You're, you're just staring at me. I'm studying the line of your neck, darling. It eludes me. Well, hurry, please. I've sat here for two hours now. I'm tired. I'll be finished soon. Then you can rest, darling. Then you can rest. Ivan, you... You're looking at me as though... Ivan... You've moved your head again, darling. Here, let me show you. There. So. Just like this. Don't move, Agatha. My fingers are loose on your throat. But in a split second, I can sink them into you tight. Like this. Don't. I've loved you more in these few months. You've been away from me than I ever did before. I'll always love you. But if I can't have you, no one else can. Ivan, you're mad. You can't do this. I gave you six months with that fool because I wasn't sure. I thought I could get over losing you and the boy. But I... I can't. We all thought you would... Resign. <laughs> no. Even now, I don't know if I want to kill you, Agatha. I... I'm not sure. No. No, you don't. You know you don't. Think of Horace. Your son. I am thinking Think... of your little fool. Oh, Greg. Greg, help me. Greg. Greg. You've got the nerve to speak his name here. Now. Now. You're on together. I did it. But you, you made me do it. How beautiful you are. Dead. Look at this clay head. 
Agatha, see, I was wrong. You're much more beautiful. I've changed my mind. I don't want fame. I don't want a statue. I want you. See, Agatha, I've broken it, smashed it. It's Greg Stevens who should die. He did all this to us. I'll... Yes. I'll go see Greg. That's it. But I must be careful now. I must make Greg suffer. Oh. Oh. I have it. Yes. He must know that he, too, has lost Agatha. That's some yarn, Stevie. He actually strangled Agatha, huh? What happened then? He left his studio and called at the Stevens' house a little after six. Greg Stevens and young Horace were the only ones there, except for the butler. He testified that Ivan quietly asked to see Stevens alone. He had a bundle in his arms, covered with a piece of black velvet, when Gregory greeted him. Ivan, well, glad to see you and Happy New Year to you. But where's Agatha? She was supposed to be with you. She'll turn up shortly. Said something about a girlfriend she had to stop by for. Oh, I see. Well, come on in, Ivan. We can have a glass of sherry while we wait. Thanks. Uh, put your package down somewhere on the table here. Thank you. Uh, did you, um, did you get a lot done today? On the head, I mean? Hmm? Yes. I've, uh, finished it. Oh, good. Say, that wouldn't be it in that box, would it? Yes, as a matter of fact, it is. Well, good heavens, man, let me see it. I've been kept from all this long enough now that it's finished. Lo- Till Agatha gets here. I'm going away for a while, Stevens. Before I go, I want you to tell me something. Do you love Agatha? A lot, I mean. A lot? I worship her. I adore her. You know what you did to me when you took Agatha and my boy from me? Well, the choice was hers. I'm glad for my sake. I'm sorry for you. But I thought you were resigned by now. Resigned? You poor fool. I've lived a life of raging hate for you. Ivan, sit down. You don't have to be sorry for me anymore, Greg. You can start feeling sorry for yourself. Thorne, what are you driving at? Everything comes out even, Greg. Come over here. What's in that box? Come closer, Greg. Here. I'll take the cloth off. See for yourself. Agatha. You... You fiend. You beast, I'll kill you. <laughs> I stand it, Greg. I to lose, Agatha. <laughs> I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Oh, you won't. Get away from me. You won't kill me. I won't kill you. We'll both live to remember. Thorne didn't kill Stevens? No, G.C. He knocked him out. They found his footprints in the snow along with the kids. He must have stopped to say goodbye. What a story. He slit his throat this morning as a bum on a barge. Yeah. Took his cats with him. The clay fragments I found in that box on the barge were all that was left of the clay head of Agatha. Nobody even found out how he got away or managed to stay hidden for 20 years? No. That's his secret. Well, write it up, stupid. I can't. I won't, G.C. 
You can't print that story. The devil, I can't. Where's this Greg Stevens? Where's Horace, the kid? Find him. Greg Stevens died penniless and insane a year later. His kid was raised in an orphan asylum. Well, find the kid. Now, let's see. He'd be about uh, 26 today. Maybe he doesn't know any of these things. What a scoop. Get busy. Look, you can't print this story. Why do you think I didn't write it up and hand it in? I feel sorry for the kid. I was raised in an asylum. A story's a story. What do I have to do? Draw you a diagram, G.C.? Why do you call me Stevie? Well, because your name is Stevens, I guess. And, uh, uh, good heavens. You don't mean... Yes, my name is Stevens. I never use my first name. I don't like it. It's Horace. That's right. You're Horace Stevens. Yes. My father was Ivan Thorne. <laughs> take his modeling away from him. Might grow up to be a bust. That's enough to give anybody the creeps. It certainly is, Mr. Raymond. Uh, Oh, Mary Bennett. Say, didn't you like our story tonight? Well, it was exciting, all right, but why don't you tell stories about normal, happy people? Of course, folks like that never get murdered or anything, but interesting things happen to them. Nice things, too. Like discovering Lipton's noodle soup, huh, Mary? Well, why not? Because Lipton's is the favorite noodle soup of them all. Our moral for tonight is don't drive alone. If you have a car, lucky you, form a carpool. Then, if you should have a flat tire, you'll be among friends on that cold, cold highway. Fun, huh? <laughs> And uh, Uncle Sam says join a carpool, too. He's not kidding. He says your carpool will help save gas and tires, so look to it, Mac. Uh, yes, the, um, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery Novel is Net of Cobwebs by Elizabeth Sanksay Holding. Oh, yes, and you won't forget to look for Lee Bowman with Rita Hayworth and the Columbia Technicolor picture tonight and every night. Well, now it's time to uh, say goodnight until next week at the same time when Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup again present another Inner Sanctum Mystery directed by Hyman Brown. Good night. Pleasant dreams. Mm. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Inner Sanctum Mysteries from January 23rd, 1945, with Death is an Artist, starring Lee Bowman. That uh, also includes Santos Ortega and Louis Van Ruten in that program. And Raymond Edward Johnson was Raymond, our host, with Mary Bennett as the Lipton Tea Woman is heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. 
Geico presents Kathy, the candid real estate agent. Now in the living room, you'll see this beautiful bay window. It's energy efficient and lets in a ton of natural light. It will also let in a thief when you leave it unlocked and he'll steal your laptop and flat screen TV. <laughs> Now who wants to see the kitchen? It's hard to know all that comes with renting a home or apartment. That's why the Geico Insurance Agency makes getting covered for personal property loss and damage quick and easy. Visit geico.com and see how affordable renters insurance can be. Kid, if something in this facility breaks, bends, or bursts, Granger's got our back. 20 cases of disc springs from granger.com, new rotary encoder ordered on Granger's mobile app, a dozen splash goggles from the local Granger branch. What more could you want in life? Granger has over 1 million products for all our facilities needs. 1 million. That's a 1 followed by 6 zeros, kid. Everything we need whenever we need it. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, click granger.com or stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No matter what kind of allergy day you're having, relief can be yours with Nasacort Allergy 24 Hour. Its prescription strength medicine effectively relieves your worst nasal allergy symptoms, including congestion for 24 hours. <sighs> Nasacort has no harsh taste, is non-drowsy and non-addictive. Unlike Flonase, Nasacort is scent and alcohol-free. For effective nasal allergy relief, choose Nasacort. It's guaranteed relief or your money back. Details at nasacort.com. Use as directed. Watching the game again, I thought you were booking our vacation hotel. Done. What? We're staying in America's best value inn, and I scored a triple play when I joined the Free Value Club. Really? You get 15% off, a room upgrade, and late checkout when available, plus free Wi-Fi and continental breakfast at most of their 1,000 hotels. Wow, that really is a slam dunk. Uh, home run, honey. I think you mean home run. Score big this summer at America's best value inn at abvi.com. Your life demands the best in hardwood floors. At Lumber Liquidators, you'll get the best quality and the best styles for less. This week, more than 30 varieties of our best-selling pre-finished hardwood are $1 off a square foot, like Golden Teak, Tobacco Road Acacia, even beautiful Bellawood, with one of the most durable finishes in the world. And get distressed oak $2 off, plus more deals from $0.59 cents and special financing. Get the best for less at Lumber Liquidators. Visit LumberLiquidators.com to find a store near you today. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Maureen Kelly is still with us, right, Maureen? I'm here. You've been listening to the whole show. You are a trooper, Maureen Kelly. She's a licensed esthetician, and she endorses a product called Epizen, which we do as well here on Hollywood 360. The website is epizyn.com. Maureen, tell us a little bit more about Epizen. Yeah, um, Epizen is a all-natural healing agent for the skin with its main ingredient is zinc gluconate, which uh, penetrates into your skin cells for faster healing than other topical products. Um, on the market. And, and, and our skin is zinc deficient, right? I mean, people's yeah. skin is zinc deficient. So this, this having a product that puts zinc into the skin is really the magic, uh, kind of cure, right? Absolutely. It, it will help, um, help you to heal faster. And one other thing that I've noticed, uh, recently is by applying zinc, um, regularly, you don't, um, get sick. Right. You don't get the cold. Right. It helps fight colds as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. So um, this product, Epizen, is effective for chronic skin conditions, right? Yes. It's effective for eczema and psoriasis. You, you can never 
heal those skin conditions totally, but you can help make yourself um, be more comfortable. And the epizen will help with red, itchy, cracked, scaling skin. And again, uh, just will help the healing process quicker, help you to heal quicker from, you know, outbreaks of rashes and scaling and itching associated with those skin conditions. Well, folks, if you have a skin problem, you really should try Epizen. So we want you to go to the website, which is epizyn.com, and here's the best part. It's money-back guarantee. If it doesn't work for you, you won't lose a penny. All that can happen is that it helps your skin problem. So just go to their website, epizyn, epizyn.com, and put in the product code RADIO, Take $10 off, and you'll get free shipping as well. Or you can call their toll-free number, 1-844-ZINC-4-US, 1-844-ZINC, the number for us. And as I say, it's working for Lisa's husband, right? Your husband uses it for what? Yes, he has eczema, and it does relieve the symptoms. And I use it for my skin. Mike's been using it. So check it out, folks. It's a special radio offer for our listeners. Go to epizen.com. And Maureen Kelly, you're a trooper. Thanks for sticking around with us for the whole four-hour show. Oh, thank you. Well, next time, it's Pat Novak for Hire, My Favorite Husband, Big Town, Mystery in the Air, The Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show, and The Weird Circle. For my co-host, Lisa Wolf, executive producer, Mike Costella, Sam Wolf, our engineer, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother, Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.